0: Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. Sator, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, Rotus. Some unknown graffiti artist scrawled those five words onto a wall in Pompeii, and they have fascinated fans of puzzles and palindromes ever since. Sator, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, Rotus might be the greatest palindrome of all time. And you might be wondering, what does setor arepo tenet opera mean? Well, we don't know for sure. But if we assume that arepo is someone's name, and it probably is, it's not a word that appears in any Latin sources anywhere else, the sentence translates to something like, the farmer arepo works a plow, or the sower, arepo, skillfully uses a plow. Uh, Something like that. Uh, Linguists still quite haven't settled on what this five word sentence means but that seems to be pretty close and writing about a guy who may or may not be a named arepo doing plow stuff that does not make for a profound or even very interesting sentence but it is a functional sentence and more important than being profound it looks really really cool when you write it as a square that can be read forward and backward so Sator Arepo Tenet Opera rotus. It's not just a palindrome, and that's the same front-back. You can take those five words and stack them on a five-by-five square, and you could read it forwards, backwards, up, down, across. It is way more palindromic than any other palindrome, if that makes any sense, when arranged in a square, hence it's often called the Sator Square, or sometimes Rotus Square, because this thing, this little 5 by 5 collection of letters, it is so palindromic, in fact, that modern readers might be reading it backward, yet still reading it right. Let me explain. So when a modern person looks at the Sator Square, they start from the top left and they continue reading across from left to right until they get to the bottom, because that's how we read things. But a lot of Latin readers, they would have read it in a style called Bustro Fendan, which basically means that you read it from left to right one way, right to left another way, left to right another way, kind of like a, you know, curling snake or like an ox making little plow lines in a field. So, snaking around, it reads Rotus opera tenet arepo sator, but, Latin, it has luci-gusier and freer word order than English does, so that sentence basically means the same thing as sator arepo tenet opera rhodus. So, it is, really, the most palindromic of all palindromes out there, if this is making any sense. Again, the first known Seder Square, it's from Pompeii, so people have been scrawling this neat-looking Latin palindrome on walls since at least 79 CE and probably before that. The Seder Square, it is very neat-looking, and it's kind of fun to read and look at how all the letters line up, and a lot of people have speculated that it's more than just a cool-looking super palindrome. A fair amount of spiritual significance has been ascribed to this thing, and this is where this episode is going to start getting kind of weird. Christian mystics noted that you could rearrange the various letters of the Sator Square and get a pair of intersecting pater Latin for our father, in a cross shape with the two phrases sharing the N of noster. So you get that. But here's the problem. You take all the letters and you rearrange them so it says Our Father in Latin, and you have two A's and two O's left over if you do that. Well, doesn't that mean that that doesn't work? You've got some leftover letters. But wait! Couldn't that A and O just stand for Alpha and Omega? Couldn't it be a reference to that one line in the Book of Revelation? Couldn't it? Couldn't it? Seriously, a lot of people think this. You Google Sator Square and you will get a lot of stuff about how it's a Christian mystical symbol. Uh, it probably isn't. The Satyr Square, the oldest one that we know of, it's from 79 CE, from Pompeii. And the Book of Revelation, that really trippy thing with seals and great beasts and the end of the world, that was probably written in the 80s or 90s CE. And so given that, shuffling around the words in the Sator Square, so you get pater, noster in Latin, intersecting with itself, plus two extra A's and two extra O's, that could maybe be re-read as Alpha and Omega, that seems a little bit forced. But again, it's something that a lot of people have done with this thing, and a lot of people have noted. There probably wasn't a meaningful Christian population in Pompeii in 79 CE, and even if there was, the words Alpha and Omega, which are here supposed to be represented by an A and O, two different letters, uh, probably wouldn't have been meaningful to them and the term Peter Noster," our father, that also might not have been meaningful to them. So the idea that you could take this super palindrome, rearrange the letters, and get something kind of sort of suggestive of Christian mysticism, that seems like something that was thought up later and added on later to what's essentially a really neat word puzzle. And researching this episode was frustrating, really frustrating, because so much of what comes up After a simple search for Sator Square, it's lots of, you know, mystical, magical stuff. And most of it uses really, really flimsy reasoning to make the Sator Square something, you know, spiritual. Uh, I already mentioned the idea of two intersecting paternosters and some alphas and omegas that you can build using the pieces of the Sator Square if you rearrange it, but probably the weirdest use of the Sator Square as a spiritual signifier is something called the Prayer of the Virgin in Bartos, which claimed that Jesus was crucified with five nails named Sator, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, and Rotus. So Jesus apparently got nailed to death with a quintet of nails that have palindromic names. That's just wackadoodle. Firstly, five nails to crucify somebody. Um, where would the fifth nail go after you were done with the wrists and feet? His neck? And secondly, I really doubt that the ancient Romans named their nails. I mean, maybe. I guess that's possible. They had sacred battle chickens, after all. Seriously, Google Roman sacred chickens if you want to find something amusing to chuckle at. But I doubt that the Romans named each metal implement that they used for home improvement and or executions. Nevertheless, this thing starts popping up again and again in churches across Europe throughout the Middle Ages, from Italy to England and all the way up to Sweden. It appears again and again as a symbol of perfect, balanced, palindromic, universal niftiness. And I can totally understand the urge to incorporate it into art and put it on a wall because it looks cool. And if you did want a symbol of balance and wholeness and completeness and things going backwards and forwards universally forever, the Seder Square is a pretty good symbol for that. So even though it was almost certainly not of Christian origin, it was definitely adopted by Christianity throughout Europe throughout the Middle Ages. A few other sources that I read for this think that the Satyr Square could have been a part of Jewish or Mithraic mysticism, but why does it have to be mystical at all? Now, I'm totally biased here as a non-spiritual person, but isn't it a little more likely that this thing was invented by some Latin-speaking word nerd who just liked puzzles? We don't know who first composed the Seder Square or why, but, and this is just my reading of it, my inclination is that whoever did it didn't have any deep spiritual convictions about it. My bias is that the Seder Square was written down and repeated for the simple reason that palindromes are cool. I think it's notable that the oldest version of this thing wasn't in some kind of temple or sepulchre or sacred place. No, the Seder Square from Pompeii was graffiti. It was something that maybe a layperson scrawled on the wall because they wanted to amuse themselves. Its first appearance was less like a stained glass window or an icon, and more like a Kilroy was here cartoon, or scrawling "Frodo lives" on some surface, or that weird angular S that lots of kids drew on their folders back in the nineties. You know the nineties S made entirely of straight lines, fun to draw on your peachy folder. Lots of people thought it was a Stussy thing, but wasn't. Everybody drew it, but we. Didn't know why? Remember that? 90s kids know what I'm talking about. The Seder Square was an early version of those kinds of things. It was an early version of Kilroy Was Here, or the 90s S, or Frodo Lives. And nowadays, we'd call that kind of repeated image or idea a meme. And I think that the Seder Square was probably a lot closer to a lolcat than to a mystical sigil. I'm not exaggerating here. It is very much a meme. It's a pre-internet meme, but it's still a meme. It's a lolcat before there were lolcats. And the idea of memes was created by brilliant scientist and gigantic asshole Richard Dawkins, who wrote in The Selfish Gene, quote, Examples of memes are tunes, ideas, catchphrases, clothes, fashions, ways of making pots or building arches. Just as genes propagate themselves in a gene pool by leaping from body to body via sperm or eggs, so memes propagate themselves in a meme pool by leaping from brain to brain via a process which, in the broad sense, can be called imitation. If a scientist hears or reads about a good idea, he passes it on to his colleagues and students. He mentions it in his articles and his lectures. If the idea catches on, it can be said to propagate itself, spreading from brain to brain. As my colleague N.K. Humphrey neatly summed up in an earlier draft of this chapter, memes should be regarded as living structures, not just metaphorically but technically alive. When you plant a fertile meme in my mind, you literally parasitize my brain, turning it into a vehicle for the meme's propagation in just a way that a virus may parasitize the genetic mechanism of a host cell. Unquote. Man, Richard Dawkins is awesome when he's not being terrible on Twitter. Stop being a jerk, Richard Dawkins. Makes it really hard to like you. Anyway, I think that passage perfectly sums up how something like DeSater Square works, especially that bit about memes parasitizing one's brain. Since I started in on this episode, I keep thinking about how cool it looks, and I'm not alone in this. It seems that a large, non-zero amount of people have also gotten sort of obsessed with the Sator Square, to the extent that it's a pretty popular tattoo. And really, I can't blame people for thinking it was magical or spiritual. If magic was real, it probably would look like the Sator Square. And palindromes... palindromes are pretty magical, honestly... Well-known palindromes include, here are a few of my favorites, some that you've probably heard before, race car, madame, I am Adam, so many dynamos, a man, a plan, a canal, Panama, and of course, taco cat. Those are all pretty well-known. Here are some uh, slightly longer ones. A dog, a panic in a pagoda, no sir, away, a papaya war is on, and my favorite palindrome of all time, Satan. Oscillate my metallic sonatas. And word squares, like the satyr square. You don't have to speak Latin to have fun with them. Here's an easy English one. These three words, bit, ice, ten. Arrange those three words on a three-by-three three grid, and they read left to right and up and down. Bit, ice, ten. Though not backwards and forwards. It lacks the palindromic perfection of the satyr square. I couldn't find anything else as perfectly palindromic as that square, so I want to put this challenge out to you. I want you listeners to send me your favorite palindromes. Send me your favorite word squares. Send me your favorite tricks with the English language or other languages. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Streckert. And seriously, put all of your favorite language games right there so I and other listeners can dork out on how cool they are. And again, a lot of spiritual significance has been applied to the Sator Square, up to and including people thinking Jesus got executed with nails named after sentence components from this little word game. I don't believe in magic, and I don't believe in spirituality. But again, if I did, it probably would look as balanced and perfect as the Sator Square does. Interesting Times is recorded at the studios at Portland's X-Ray FM, 91.1 and 107.1 in Portland, Oregon. Our engineer is Arthur Rizzotto. Uh We are entirely supported by our Patreon supporters. Go to interestingtimespodcast.com to click on Support Interesting Times on Patreon. Do that thing. Your support is appreciated. I like keeping this podcast ad-free and listener-supported. Go on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. We are also on Stitcher. Uh, I am all over social media. Find me. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.